It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Michael at LMFM.ie The Michael Reed Show Freedom, freedom Freedom, 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 freedom. Friday morning, the 21st of January. Good morning with much debate and discussion from now till 11am. This is Michael Reid on LMFM. Well, that's debate, discussion, scratching of heads and a whole lot of pinching ourselves. The big question right now is... Is it? The big answer as we speak is, it might be. Yes, it might actually be Freedom Day. When it comes to the pandemic, we are now moving into a different phase, uh, into a different chapter of managing this pandemic. The beginning of uh, the end of uh, the pandemic, or at least uh, the COVID restrictions, seems to be here. Uh, In part because the Omicron variant is much milder or I should say less severe rather than much milder. Neffet has recommended to government to drop almost all of the restrictions, a mild variant, Omicron, and the high level of vaccination dictates thinking. And also because of the level of immunity that's built up uh, in our society. So hard as it might be to believe, we are actually in a much, much better place. And that does... um lead to the view, and it's a reasonable view, that we will have to look at all our guidelines again. Yesterday, the Thornista, Leo Vratker, set out the steps that lead to a newfound freedom. So there will be uh, an effort meeting today. Uh, there'll be a cabinet meeting on Friday. Um, on foot of that, we expect to be able to ease restrictions. Uh, and of course, on foot of that, because of the change in the balance of risk, that then allows us to update our guidelines. Okay, we might be jumping the gun just a little bit, but can you blame us? I mean, the government still has to meet, the government still has to decide, the government still has to make its announcement, but the Taoiseach will be on the steps of government buildings making an announcement this evening. Despite all of that, you have to think, don't you think, as Aretha might say. Never thought I'd be playing Aretha Franklin on this programme, let alone Richie Havens for that matter. Uh, but when you think about how conservative Neffet is, is in all of the recommendations that it has made over the course of 
the, the last two years to government, you would have to think there's a lot of reason to think today might be Freedom Day. Uh, Neve Griffin is uh, the health correspondent with uh, the Irish Examiner. She's on the line. Good morning to you, Neve, and tell us what you think. Good morning, Michael. Um, well, it's certainly going to be a very different conversation to the ones we've had before, isn't it? Um, smiling at your, your choice of music there. Like it, it is looking very positive. I mean, we still have high case numbers over 10,000 yesterday, but the link between cases and severe illness seems to be broken, thanks to pretty much everyone in the country getting vaccinated, I think, is that one of the main reasons. Right, OK. And um, what has Neffert uh, said? You've been briefed on this. Uh, I mean, we're hearing reports that they're saying almost all of the restrictions can go. What does that mean? What, what will we not be able to do? Well, in the letter from the CMO, he said there's no health rationale for a number of restrictions anymore, including ending the two metres social distancing, um, caps on events, which will be good news for people going to sport over the next few weeks, um, ca- the cap on household visits, you know, the number of people you can have your, in your house, what's advised as unnecessary. Um, nightclubs may be open in February seems to be the, the mood music around, around nightclubs um, vaccine passes not necessary for domestic reasons you know for restaurants but they would still be in place for the EU and for international travel um, masks uh, still advised for shops and public transport and it's a little bit unclear what the situation is for schools around masks and restrictions. I think we're going to hear more about that from the Education Minister later today. Okay. Uh, very big changes there. Yeah, uh, and uh, will the government uh, follow the advice from NEFIT? Well, I mean, they go, they, you're right, the, the NEFIT advises and the government decides. So there is no time scale laid out in the NEFIT letter. So it'll be up to the government now to look at what's practical. And, you know, they, they will also have access to data on hospitalizations and all of these figures and what's practical. I mean, I suppose if you're a restaurant owner, you probably couldn't just start serving tonight because you wouldn't have the food, you know, brought in. So there's all all of that to play into it, I suppose. Mm. Uh, But I I suppose the government could decide to give people that option. (laughs) I don't know what way they'll look on all of this, uh, but uh, Mm. then it'll be up to restaurants uh, themselves if that was a decision that government made. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And it'll be restaurants, pubs, nightclubs, sporting events. I mean, it'll make a big difference for the GA when they're they're kicking back in quite soon. Mm. Um, so it'll be be quite interesting. The schools, I suppose, still a little bit unclear. There was a line in his letter about um, maybe not that seemed to suggest not changing things in schools until all elig- eligible um, children have had their vaccine. And the vaccine uptake is quite slow, really, at the moment. I think only about a quarter of five to 11s have had their vaccine. Okay. So that's, that, that section is a little bit unclear. We could be seeing masks and open windows for a while yet in schools, I think. Okay, but uh, are we talking about uh, no restrictions on the amount of people who sit at a, a table in a, a restaurant mm-hmm. or that you could All go into a... To be you, gone. you could go into a packed pub and sit down beside a stranger? <laughs> 
sounds so exotic now, but oh yes, my God. Michael, you could do that. <laughs> I think I saw that in a film once. Talk to a stranger. Yeah. It's a black and white film, but I think I saw it in a film once, and you can talk to them too, my God, without wearing a mask uh, and maybe shaking. Uh, sitting at bars again, which I know will be a big thing, especially in rural pubs. Right. Where a lot of people would have gone for a quiet pint, you know, in the evening just to meet people that they sort of know yeah. in that kind I was of just going to ask that you do. that because if you sit at the bar you get to talk to the people who come up and down from the bar mm. God, that's I know for a lot of people especially men who live on their own that's quite a, a common thing to do I think yeah and no need to keep two metres away from uh, somebody so when we're talking about uh, the sporting events that were coming up I think Jack Chambers was talking about 50% or 75% you were talking about 100% capacity quite possibly well, quite possibly. I mean, they, that's what they've indicated. Now, whether the government decides to, you know, to go from naught to 100 in one move or not, I don't know. Um, I know the sports organisations would be delighted, I imagine, to have that happen. OK. There's a risk to all of this, I imagine, Eve, because, I mean, some people have scoffed at the whole thing uh, throughout or haven't mm. uh, taken it seriously and thought, well, I'm sure, like, I'm young and I'm fit and it doesn't matter whether I get it and so on. Uh, but if Neffet, who are always so conservative, is saying, well, you don't need to do any of those things anymore, uh, people are going to go wild, are they not? And I'm sure Neffet have taken that into consideration. Well, I think the way it's always been anyway, some people will go wild and some people will just walk their own path. Um, like for anyone listening whose child has a disability or who has somebody in the family with cancer or any of these other illnesses, they're not going to jump back in because for them, Omicron, even though it's milder and even though it might not lead to hospitalisation for healthy people, it's still a risk for them. Mm. So I think you're going to see a very phased return and a lot of negotiation maybe among friendship groups and play groups and things trying to decide you know how fast do you want to come back mm. yeah despite the music and uh, the upbeat uh, sound of uh, the program this morning i'd kind of fall into that category myself and uh, i'd be a little bit cautious uh, but i think what i'm feeling this morning is hope yes yes now i have to say i was out running this morning and i saw some uh, the gardener in the park planting roses and he had a little sign called irish hope which he told me was the name of the roses and i thought wow that's just perfect okay all right you know yeah it would be nice it would be nice to roll into february and we have a new bank holiday coming and everything Mm. to look forward to absolutely yeah i i noticed uh, just on the note of uh, the bank holiday uh, that when politicians have been talking in the last couple of days uh, that the first thing they say is that we have to remember the 9,000 people who have lost their lives to COVID Mm -hmm. in this country. There's going to be a day of commemoration, there's going to be a bank holiday and of course then there's going to be this 1,000 euro net payment to to healthcare workers. Mm -hmm. That's right, yes. On March 20th I think uh, Neil Martin said there'll be a commemoration. We're not sure what form it will take but a formal commemoration of the people who've died because um, that's again another group of people who are probably wondering what what Freedom Day is about, mm. and then for for everyone then a bank holiday on March 18th, so that could potentially be a four day weekend, mm-hmm. um, for people who are, who are in you know for for some people or a day in lieu or that's what they're saying, and then they made this slightly controversial decision to give 1,000 uh, euro tax free bonus to frontline healthcare workers. Um, and only to frontline healthcare workers. That's going to be debated for months, isn't it? 
Mm-hmm. Very much so. <laughs> yeah, Very much yeah, so. Um, yeah. I, I was even saw the Irish Medical Organisation, most of whose members will qualify for this, mm. um, putting out a, a social media message yesterday saying, actually, we'd prefer if you just fix the health system instead of giving us this sort of superficial um, bonus, you yeah. know, that mm. there's 700 vacant posts in the health system because people don't want to work in yeah. it, in well, the doctor consultant's post. I, I, I don't think there's any way uh, of getting it right uh, because you hear people saying, well, they might have been working on the front line, but at least they had a job. I was out of work because of COVID mm-hmm. uh, and there's all sorts of arguments. Mm-hmm. So if you gave to everybody, then you'd be saying, well, where's the special recognition of the frontline yeah. workers and so on? They're really, it's a, a lose, lose, lose situation for the government. It is. It's very complicated because you'll have people like prison officers. Mm. I mean, that's a frontline job if ever there was one. Then you have family carers who kept their relatives out of hospitals, out of harm's way. Mm. And that's frontline care work. Um, The army, I think, is going to be quite complicated because some of them are going to get it, but some of them aren't, depending on what kind of work they did during the the pandemic. Mm. Um, so it is quite complicated, but Leah Radker's argument was that there are uh, 350,000 public servants in the country and they had to draw the line somewhere. Hmm. Yeah, well, uh, they, haven't quite, they haven't quite drawn that line yet, no, though, have they? Clear. I mean, that, really <laughs> that is clear. part of the problem. Yeah, I mean, it's a work in progress, it seems. Uh, very much so. I mean, you had people saying, well, I was an agency nurse. Um, mm. Do I get it? You had private hospitals who were on the front line, but they weren't exactly on the right front line. So mm. to, are they going to get it? Um, and a lot of complications and a lot of frustration, like, say, supermarket workers. Should it be up to Aldi and Dunn's to give them a bonus? Did they give them a bonus? Is it enough? Should they also get something from the state? Um, it's very, very complicated, I think. OK, some people concerned. I think a lot of people are, are delighted that there'll be uh, an extra bank holiday long overdue. No one complaining about yeah. that. Well, the timing of it uh, this year, I think, uh, is of concern to some people uh, who think that uh, some of us uh, overwet the shamrock and that if you've got a, another day in that weekend, it could be a case of drowning the shamrock. Well, I suppose that that's also true. I, I wouldn't be someone who ever goes into Dublin city centre, I have to say, at Patrick's weekend, and mm. definitely not if it's four days. But for a lot of people, it could be a chance to go home if you haven't been home, you know, if you mm. live have family in another country or another county, like four days is a, is a good um a good break, I think. Yeah, and it gives a chance to link St. Patrick's Day to the weekend to allow for that. Uh, And it it won't be like that every year. I think the plan is in future mm. to have it at the 1st of February, but it was too short notice to to do that this year. Mm, And it'll be linked to St. Bridget's Day. Uh, Absolutely uh, great, isn't it, to uh, be fighting about some things that are positive uh, to be arguing about them for a change. <laughs> it feels old school. <laughs> and it's great to talk to you as always, Neve. Thank you indeed for talking to us and for joining us on the programme this morning. Thank you. Neve Griffin, health correspondent with the Irish Examiner. Michael at lmfm.ie The Michael Reed Show. Now, the announcement uh, by the Minister for Justice, Helen McEntee, uh, that policy and services for domestic, sexual and gender-based violence will reside within one single ministry with oversight from uh, the Department of uh, the Taoiseach is being described as a momentous political move forward and uh, the manifestation of uh, the relentless campaign work of Safe Ireland and its member organisations at local level, along with other women's advocacy groups. One of uh, the organisations that 
that is part of uh, Safe Ireland at a local level is Women's Aid Dundalk. Its services manager is Anne Larkin, who joins us now. And a very good morning to you, and thank you indeed uh, for joining us on the programme once again uh, this morning. Uh, obviously, uh, this uh, position uh, is uh, very welcomed by Safe Ireland, uh, your uh, organisation, uh, and it comes uh, a, a very timely uh, part uh, in uh, the response uh, to the horrific murder of Ashling uh, last week, uh, a week ago on Wednesday. Good morning, Michael, and thanks very much for the opportunity to again talk about this issue. Um, yeah, this is a really timely announcement. Um, it has to be said that a lot of work has is underpinning this announcement. But yeah, you know, the loss of Ashling Murphy last week, I think, really focused um, the really dark state that Ireland is in when it comes to violence against women. So we do welcome any and all efforts that will improve that situation for women and children across this land. And we're very... Safe Ireland for a long time would have st- stated that, you know, Ireland, w- to try and make Ireland the safest place in the world for women and children, it's very much a possibility. And this move now by creating a single ministry where, you know, we house policy and service delivery for domestic, sexual and gender-based violence is really a strong move toward making Ireland a much safer place for its women and children. Mm. Uh, mm. How will that work in practice? No, that's the thing. Mm. <laughs> We remain to see, but all I can say to you, Michael, is up to now there's been a very fragmented response to domestic violence in this country. You can see where, you know, domestic violence impacts on all aspects of a woman and child's life. You've got education, you've got health, you've got housing, you've got finance. Um, So there's a myriad of impacts on a woman's life and the solutions to a piece of the problem is in all of those departments. So if we now have one single place where policy and service delivery is overseen from, and I have to emphasise here that that's one part of it, but another piece of the the statement yesterday said there's oversight from the Taoiseach's office. So that means that there will be a coordinated response to what's brought into that department. And just to reference... um, Safe Ireland in March of 21 published a document. It's a sustainable strategy and infrastructure to transform our response to DGSBV in Ireland. And there's four points in that. The first one was political leadership and oversight. So it has to start at the top. There's been massive work done on the ground with regard to violence against women. Um, And it's gone as far as it can go with the fragmented approach that's been taken from a political point. But to consolidate that work at national level in one department where there's going to be, you know, I can Mm. only envisage it that there will be discussions, there will be conversations, there will be, right, how's this going, how's that going, where are we on that? That's my local perception of what it will be like. Mm. And the encouragement there is that these discussions and all of that will be had in a place where there will then be the power to implement the solutions that are identified. Mm. It won't be, well, now that's some other department's job. This will be one single ministry's job to ensure that the response that's identified is actually implemented on the ground. Mm. 
And that that ministry will take a look at what is being done and what is not being done in other ministries, I, I take it, because uh, there has to be a whole of government uh, approach to this if it's to be successful. And even at that, there's only so much that the state can do uh, in terms of governance, uh, because uh, this isn't just a, an issue for the state. It's a societal question. Uh, and there is a question uh, of seizing the moment, uh, if you like, because so many people are now so focused uh, and in time that will fade as it has done uh, in the past because we've had these moments in time in the past. I agree with you, Michael, and that's been the big thing, but I do believe that there is something, as I say to you, the tragedy from last week, I believe, was the catalyst. It was a tipping point, if you want, but there was such an underlying surge of awareness around this that I think now there is, I think even from your own show last week, there are people coming forward to talk about their experience. There are men coming forward to talk about their the fact that they actually didn't understand that this is what life was like for women. So that groundswell, I think, is is huge. And I don't think this time that it will go away. Um, I, because if there's so much else involved, if I refer you back to that document, were, as I say to you, there were four points. <clears throat> the first one was political leadership and oversight. The second one is policy and services in the same location. The third one is a thriving specialist service in the community. So there's huge community um, opportunity and responsibility for this. But I would say to you, communities on the ground have been working for decades, mm. the very emergence of domestic violence services came out of concerned communities. Our own service here in Dundalk grew out of the concern for six women mm. about the prevalence of violence against women and children. So I think what we're looking at now is a massive opportunity to marry up that groundswell of concern mm. and of, you know, wanting That's to it. And it, it is a massive opportunity and it's terrible to talk about the terrible murder of Ashling Murphy as an opportunity, but maybe it's a way of paying tribute to her. Uh, can I liken it to the drugs problem? Uh, I, I think uh, it's a way uh, of understanding it because, as you know, Anne, we've got a, a terrible drug problem locally uh, and we want the state to respond. We want... Yeah. We want addiction services. Uh, we want we want the guards to arrest drug dealers and lock fellas up and all of that. Yeah. Uh, but we don't want our children to end up needing uh, to uh, be taken into rehab and taken out of uh, the addiction that they're in and uh, need those addiction services or to be locked up in prison. What we want is that when they're brought into the world so that they choose a different exactly. path. Uh, and that takes that societal approach uh, and yeah. that way of thinking. Exactly, and that's the thing. We need to make society safer, for, from my perspective, for our women and children. And there is, that's what needs to happen, but there's leadership needed to bring that about. Like, if you look at it another way, a number of years ago, drink driving was acceptable in this country. You know, nobody saw the harm. Uh, now it's totally unacceptable. Um, so, yeah, there has to be a huge societal shift and an understanding that what we're saying around domestic violence is that it is doable. This document I'm talking about lays out, it's like a blueprint for different stages. Now, it's not 100% because you, you don't know what's coming down the road, but it's a fantastic starting point. Yeah. And the likes, the same with the, the drugs issue in Ireland, 
um, it's it's a huge societal problem. The government and the guards don't have the full power or ability to solve it. It's a massive mm. community. And that's the macro picture. The micro picture is yeah. the one you deal with and you uh, offer help to people at all stages uh, from uh, their first concern up to uh, helping them to get out of a, a relationship. And people can call you on 042 9333 and we'll repeat that number in a moment. Uh, do you think, uh, or what has your experience been on the phone lines, uh, do you think uh, that women have been more inclined to come forward to, uh, as a result of what they saw happen to Ashleen uh, and uh, to think, well, I need to protect myself uh, in some way better than I have been doing and maybe I'll reach out for help? Personally, that I can't say that's been our experience. What's been the experience that I can see from last week, Michael, you see, you have to bear in mind, our services are constantly busy. Women are reaching out to us. All the time. Constantly. Like last yeah. year, Women's Aid Dundalk worked with in excess of 1,000 women. My God. But what I would say, what this has shown is there's a huge um, request for information, for participation from domestic violence service. And you can see yourself, this is not just local, this is nationwide, that there has been an uptake by people who, as I say to you, didn't really see the position, the vulnerability of women's position in society from the very, just from the very fact that they're female. Mm. So there has been an awakening on that kind of level. Um, and yeah, you know, the, the, the phones have been hopping, there has been discussions, there has been huge community approaches around what can we do to make our community safer. Mm. And please God, that's a road that we will be able to travel with community organisations and groups um, and start looking at how we can make our communities, our homes, our streets, our communities, and ultimately this country of Ireland safer for okay. women and children. And by doing so, it's safer for all of our citizens. Okay, well, you do marvellous work. Women's Aid Dundalk.net and 0429 3 244, the telephone number. That's 0429333244. And thank you for joining us once again on the programme this morning. That's thank you Anne, very much, thank Michael. And Larkin, the Services Manager for Women's Aid Dundalk. Michael at lmfm.ie. The Michael Reed Show. We've spoken many times over the last couple of years to Professor Anthony Staines, a professor of health systems in the School of Nursing in DCU and spokesperson for the ISAG, the Independent Scientific Advocacy Group. And we're going to speak uh, to Professor Staines again this morning. Good morning to you and uh, thanks for joining us once again on the programme uh, this morning, Anthony. Uh, a very different conversation today in that we're looking according to the reports at least, uh, that, uh, at recommendations from NEFIT to lift pretty much all of uh, the COVID restrictions. Uh, do you think that we're running before we can walk or is this the right approach at the right time? I think there's a lot of uncertainty. Um, uh, you know, we, this is something that's going to happen at some point, but there, there is still a lot of uncertainty as to what's going on with the figures. We've always argued that what we should be doing, rather than starting with restrictions and saying, you know, you must close this, you must close that, is that you start with doing other things to control infection, like air filtration, like wearing masks, like COVID passports. And if that's not working, if, if a full-blown kind of public health approach is not working, 
then you start thinking about restrictions and lockdowns and what have you. But we haven't really, we, we still haven't really tried the first bit of that. Mm. The question is, what do you mean when you say, is it working? Because uh, it, the answer to the question seems to be from uh, the government's position uh, that the health service isn't overwhelmed, uh, that the hospitals have capacity to treat the amount of people who get sick. So I take it that means that people will continue to get sick, but not in, in the numbers that will mean that you have to make those terrible decisions about who gets an ICU bed uh, if you've got one bed and two patients. And I, th- I think that's the hope. I think that's what vaccination has got us. And that's great. I mean, it's, it is just amazing that that works so well. And it's amazing the Irish people have taken it on board so well. But there is another piece. And there's a piece that we're not doing that could re- that could mean we could keep things open. We, because we're losing jobs. We've lost jobs. We've lost businesses. Because of the closures, because of the restrictions, because of the lockdowns. And hope, you know, that period is hopefully coming to an end. But the the way to bring it to an end safely is to make the rest of society as safe as possible. And there's a lot of stuff the government could be doing, very basic, low cost stuff that doesn't threaten jobs, that could be could be brought in. So there's there's no cost in air filtration, really. There's no masks are somewhat inconvenient. But the, the Irish public have taken to wearing masks largely, and that, that's worked for, worked well. COVID passports are working pretty well, not perfectly, but pretty well. Vaccination is working pretty well. The contact tracing is not working at all. That that has basically broken down, and it has never worked properly. And that's been probably the biggest weakness because if we'd had that up and working, we might have avoided mm. some of these huge outbreaks that have caused so much disruption across the economy. Now, we might not, but we could at least have tried because it's much cheaper to to do contact tracing than it is to bring in, uh, you know, economy-wide restrictions on this, that and the other. Mm. It seems the advice from Neffet is uh, that masks... Uh, will only be required on public transport uh, and in certain sectors, but in general terms, they won't be deemed necessary. Uh, You won't need to social distance. The two metres uh, distance won't be necessary. uh, And you won't need COVID certs. Uh, Is that a step too far, in your opinion? Well, Navid have been consistently wrong about masks from the start of the pandemic. Now, to be fair, everybody was wrong about masks at the start. But most people worked out that masks are an important part of controlling this virus within a month or so of the first outbreak because it became clear how the virus was spread. Because we didn't know that when it started. Mm. We really didn't know. But we do know. And we've known for a very long time. So we know masks are, are cheap, effective, simple and safe. We, we, we fear, we don't know, nobody, nobody knows that there will be another uh, strain and another new variant coming along. We don't, don't see any sign of any great push to vaccinate the planet. Uh, the the gov- governments globally have been told repeatedly that if you don't get vaccines out globally, your risk of having a new strain is much higher. And that's what happened with Delta. That's what happened with Omicron. The virus was allowed to spread globally. New strains emerged and came back globally and bit us all. Mm. So we, can, we, we know how to stop that, which is that we vaccinate everybody. Hmm. And we're not, do, we're not doing that. That's for no, that. That's not happening right now. That's for that 
inevitability, uh, which is uh, that there'll be another variant which will come along uh, and yeah. uh, destroy us if it doesn't spook us. Uh, and we uh, reduce the risk of that. But uh, as things stand this evening, uh, when uh, we've Omicron as uh, the dominant variant uh, in this country at the moment, the Taoiseach uh, will make an announcement at six o'clock. And it's quite possible that tonight at nine o'clock, you'll be able to go into a, a pub for a pint. Uh, if not tonight, maybe next Friday. Uh, yeah. Well, you could say definitely next Friday. You'll be able to go into a, a pub. You'll be able to sit at the bar or sit down beside somebody. You won't need to wear a mask. Uh, you can sit down and talk to a stranger. Uh, is that something that you'd be prepared to do personally? I wouldn't do it just at the moment, no. Um, I'm I'm medically vulnerable anyway. But right now, at the moment, I wouldn't do it. And the Vox Pops that I've heard from your programme and others suggest there's a fair level of caution in the population. I think it will come. I think people will decide for themselves as time goes by, you know, is this something I'm happy doing? Mm. But the, the trick really is to do everything you can to make these spaces as safe as possible. And say in the hospitality sector, that means things like ventilation, filtration. That that's how we make it as safe as possible. And it's it's very, very, very straightforward. And it doesn't reduce the risk to zero. But the purpose mm-hmm. of public health is often not to reduce the risk to zero, but to reduce the risk. If the announcement if we reduce risks, then mm-hmm. you know, we win. Well, if the announcement tonight is the one we expect, is it the opposite of that? Is the decision going to be let it rip? Let as many people who catch it, catch it. I, I, fear, I fear so, yes. I think that's clearly the direction of policy for the last month or so. And I've heard people saying things like, you know, Omicron is nature's vaccine. Uh, we know that's not true because we, we know that the protection from infection with this disease is actually less than the protection from being vaccinated against this disease. And that's just, you know, that's an unfortunate fact of biology. It might not have been so, but it is so. Mm. And uh, if the COVID certs are scrapped domestically from this evening or in the next week or whenever it is, uh, it seems almost certain that that will be the case. Would you be concerned about mixing with people who are are not vaccinated in those circumstances where you'd be sitting down talking to strangers? I'd prefer to leave them in place, but maybe use a slightly different technology. Most smartphones have uh, what they call a contactless function. And many countries, the equivalent of our COVID app, you you can pick it up through this contactless function. This is how you pay with your smartphone. So you you literally swipe your smartphone beside a reader and it goes beep if you have a COVID cert on the phone. And if you don't, it makes some other sound or it doesn't make any sound. Mm. So it's much quicker. And you don't have these queues of people forming. Uh, you don't have delays. You don't have a staff member standing there scanning your phone while people try and remember their password and open the phone and find the app and bring up the, the you know, all of that stuff. So there, there are much slicker ways of doing it than the way we've chosen to do it. And I think there'll be no harm whatever in doing that. It seems odd, uh, but uh, school children might need to continue wearing masks and uh, taking other measures. Uh, the logic seems to be that there's fewer of the school-going population who are vaccinated. Uh, is that a, a logic that makes sense to you? Oh, it makes perfect sense, except the Neffet's advice on masks is that children between the ages of five and nine don't need to wear them. It's only children from nine upwards need to wear them, which is, is you know, is crazy, actually. The, the virus doesn't know or care whether you're six or ten. That, that's just silly. But that's uh, that's been the policy. 
So we people are getting their kids vaccinated. I think parents are increasingly becoming more confident with the vaccinations, becoming happier with the vaccination. And a large number of kids are registered for vaccination and increasingly more and more and more have been vaccinated. And we're being, we're being told uh, that, or I think we're going to be told by the Taoiseach tonight uh, when he makes his uh, announcement, but I think we're all able to preempt uh, what's going to be said to some degree. But I, I think we expect that we're going to be told that the reason that we're in this very positive position that we can drop so many of uh, these restrictions is in part due to vaccination. Is there a risk, do you think, that that will uh, result in people not getting vaccinated, not getting their children vaccinated or not going for their booster? I don't think it'll make a huge difference. I I think the Irish public are are very keen on being vaccinated and I think they understand very well what needs to happen. So I I don't see there being a huge dip. I think the message has has gone out that vaccines are really beneficial, that vaccines reduce your risk of getting the the worst effects of COVID. We We don't really know yet how vaccines affect your risks of long COVID. Uh, which is a, perhaps the main concern now of COVID, is what you know, what happens down the line. This infection does seem to persist in a way in a significant number of people. And we don't really understand that yet. There's a huge number of, of my colleagues working as clinicians, laboratory scientists, epidemiologists on exactly that question. But it does look more and more as if a significant minority of people who've had COVID have significant long-term effects. And that's, that's the risk of Omicron. That's the risk of the letter rip strategy. Mm. Is it possible uh, that coronavirus is fading in terms of its strength, that Omicron is a signal of <clears throat> what's to come, that we'll always have coronavirus, uh, but as each variant develops, it'll get weaker? It is possible, but the U.S. evidence is that Omicron is not particularly different from Delta in terms of severity. They have a population which is significantly unvaccinated, where there are a significant number of people with pre-existing risks for other things, and they're having awful problems. So if you look around the world, Omicron certainly is capable of causing very severe disease because so many people here are vaccinated. We've avoided a lot of that. And we don't know what will happen with the next variant, but there's no natural tendency for viruses to get milder and milder and milder. Some do. Many do not. Most probably do not. Dengue, for example, has been running around Asian populations for several hundred years and it seems to be about as severe now as it was 200 years ago. Right. Okay, well, uh, we'll uh, hear from government later in uh, the day. Uh, I'm sure uh, they'll uh, know of uh, the cautious opinion that you and many of your colleagues have uh, as well uh, as taking on the advice uh, from uh, Neffet. Uh, but thank you indeed uh, for joining thank us. You. Uh, thank with you very much indeed. As always, it's much appreciated. That's Professor Anthony Staines, Professor of Health Systems in the School of Nursing in DCU, spokesperson for ISAG. That's the Independent Scientific Advocacy Group. Michael at lmfm.ie The Michael Reed Show.
Now, keep in mind, if you'd like to call us today, the comment line number has changed to 041-983-2000. We're not getting many calls today. I'm not sure if that's because of the change in the phone number or if people don't know what to say. I have a feeling that it's because people don't know what to say. 041-983-2000, in case you don't know the phone number. We're getting a few texts and a few WhatsApp messages and uh, emails and people on social media and that sort of thing. Uh, But I have a feeling people don't know what to say. If you do... Uh, feel a little bit confused about uh, the changes uh, that are coming our way, let us know uh, one way or the other. Are you going to go wild uh, and uh, party all night long, as the case may be, or shop till you drop and uh, get out there uh, and meet as many people as possible? Or are you going to continue as you are uh, and be cautious and see how all of this pans out? Uh, do let us know. Our number is 041-983-2000. A text from Claire in Mead about uh, the violence against women topic, which has dominated the mind and hearts of all of us over the last week and a half. She says, I listened to uh, the ladies in uh, the doll yesterday. That was uh, all of the female TDs who we heard uh, make contributions to the debate on uh, violence against women in the doll on Wednesday. Uh, Claire says, great talk, action please, put the guardie back on the beat, how much talk is needed, respect is a huge work, talk can be cheap, some love to hear their own voices and the ladies in the doll have to keep going with this, bring strong laws with zero tolerance thanks Claire in Meath uh, Pat in Balbriggan uh, texting us uh, about uh, a similar uh, topic uh, 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 a few topics uh, but really about violence against women he says uh, there are many, many watershed moments have taken place in uh, this country Ver- Veronica Guerin's shooting was one Keane Mulready Woods murder was another and he says now I think the terrible murder of Ashling will be another one sadly it takes terrible things like this to get change R.I.P. Ashling says Pat thank you indeed uh, for your text to the programme as well and thanks uh, to Paddy Duffy who was in touch with us saying I wish people would get off Boris Johnson's back I think he's doing a great job for Little England and in fact I think he should get at least one more term so he can finish it completely. <laughs> Thanks, Paddy Duffy. I have a feeling Paddy Duffy is being cynical when he says all of that. But uh, thank you indeed uh, for taking the time uh, to send us a text to the programme. And now, ladies and gentlemen, for your listening entertainment from uh, the pubs uh, that had their doors closed since uh, the old music hall days, let's dust off of the cobwebs once again for the Wayne and Colette show. again Don't know where Don't know when But I know we'll meet again Some sunny day Jest, of course, uh, but uh, let's uh, talk uh, to Wayne and Colette. Wayne Harding, owner of uh, the Village Inn pub in Slane, and Colette Nugent of uh, the Market Bar in Drogheda, chairperson of uh, the VFI branch in County Loud. Good morning to both of you once again, and thanks for joining us. Colette, when do you hope to meet your customers again? Do you hope that it'll be tonight, uh, and I mean after eight o'clock? Well, I was just about to say that's some introduction. And in meeting the customers, I hope I'd be meeting them long before 8 o'clock this evening. But anyway, look, uh, we've been here before, as uh, Wayne will tell you, you know, uh, the Colette and Wayne Roadshow. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. All right. 
But, you know, caution uh, has to be used here slightly. You know, throwing this uh, this gauntlet down the gauntlet to us is gratefully accepted. But a big, big surprise, I have to say. We knew it would come. We didn't think they were going to, you know, turn around and take all restrictions off at this stage. I mean, badly needed. We have been the most vilified sector, certainly in the last 22, over 22 months. But, um, you know, is it going to happen tonight? Is it going to happen tomorrow? You know, this is ridiculous. Again, you know, no information about it all. But I would suggest that, mm. you know, Neffet has got it wrong in the past. So, you know, I'm hoping that people's not going to start sitting on top of each other and licking the faces of one another no, all of a sudden thinking... Th- there's nothing to stop, no- unless, you, unless you take that decision in your own pub. Well, uh, it seems again, as though it, all it, of the restrictions it, are going yeah. to be lifted. It doesn't sound as though you're too keen on that. Well, I am keen on it. Absolutely. I think, Jesus, that would be in, in, ludicrous to say that I'm not. I want to get back to some sort of normality and mm. staff want to get back to in the front. Well, you know better than anybody else. When people sit down beside each other and they're going to be allowed to, they uh, sometimes at least uh, start licking each other's faces. But wait, wait till I tell you here, did we not always police it? Was it not always put back to us to do it anyway? Mm. So, I mean, and we did do it and we done it well. We didn't, we, you know, it was still the safest option out there. I mean, let's be clear, we were never the issue. Hospitality was never the issue in all of this. Mm. So, you know, Neffert needs to be uh, clearly aware that as do the people in power, the, the, the problem was never with hospitality, it okay. was with the hospitals. It, seems, it was clear. It, mm. There was no resources left to the hospitals or the schools. It okay. wasn't hospitality. Well, it seems as though uh, they're not going to ask you or they're going to ask you not to police it uh, or there'll be no onus on you to police it. Wayne Harding, what do you make of it? Uh, if the government follows the advice uh, from Neffet, uh, people will be able to go into your bar. There'll be no restriction on the amount of people. There'll be no need for them to distance from each other. They'll be able to go to the bar. They'll be able to sit beside each other. They'll be able to lick each other's faces, uh, as Colette put it, if that's what they wish to do. Um uh, never mind the announcement and the, the abrupt announcement that it was. I'm still reeling from your intro, Michael. <laughs> I, I, I have been on your show a lot and I accept, expect to be on it again after yeah. today. And I don't think I'll get an intro like that again. No, I don't I, think I'm, so. I'm over it but, now. but I don't think I'll, I don't think I'll play Richie Havens or Aretha Franklin anytime soon again either. You know, but it is one of these odd days after it two after two day. years. I, I, I really yeah. agree with you because yeah. and and. It is the nature of, of what we've been through. Um, it's it's a very it's a very abrupt. It is it is a good it is a good news story. It's, mm. it's a good day. Um, but in 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 what in how the announcements have have broken over the last two years and how how it's gone about, it's it's no different because we, again we're taken aback um, about you know it's gone. It, it's basically you wake up this morning and uh, the pandemic is is, is over. Yeah. Um, and that's what my wife was saying when we were getting the kids out of school and um, this thing is over it looks like and we didn't expect that yesterday mm. we definitely expected really good announcements um, but the, but the way it, the way it was, was announced and of course again mm. it, well it hasn't it been a, let, let, let's not lose the run of ourselves because it hasn't been announced yesterday but I, I, or yes, I yes think, that's, I, that's my point I, I think yesterday we were expecting that the pubs might have been able to stay open until 12 but it seems like all the restrictions yes. are pretty much gone now yeah and, and you are right um, and, I, and I, I was saying that um, there was an announcement by Neffet and now um, the subcommittee will meet this morning and, and the full cabinet this afternoon and then we'll we see more of the meat on the bone um, and uh, when it will, whether as Colette's just after saying tonight, tomorrow, Monday but um, yes and, and, and everything back to normal mm. like b- b- public announcements of this nature before have greatly impacted on our trade 
insofar as that you're allowed open and all these different uh, restrictions and limited and what have you and different times and then rolled back and whatever else. And that had huge impact on how people thought about going out. Mm. So hopefully this this announcement will have the same because I do know people I'm sure Colette as well people who would be I'm not saying older um, but but people have listened to the public health mm. guidelines and are staying and have not been in the public. Oh everybody is so well informed uh, yes. you know we're all experts at this stage you'll have the telly on in the pub I'm sure at 6 o'clock and Micheál Martin will be on the steps of government buildings we've all hated seeing Micheál Martin or Leo Bradker on the steps of government buildings over the last two years this time we might even enjoy enjoy it and you'll be watching what he says if he says all bets are off sort of thing as and from now and the restrictions are gone and does that mean that you'll be staying open later or will you be closing at 8 o'clock tonight no I'll be staying open later there's no doubt about that I don't know about tonight tomorrow Monday um, yeah we're ready to we're ready to go back to normal um, there's no there's absolutely no question that um it, it won't be the normal. Like, people, like, the, the behaviour has changed as well, and enticing people back to the pub is another thing. Um, like, midweek, from when we reopened, midweek was, was really decimated, and I don't see that, 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 now that's a, a habit, that's, that's, you know, take away from the, well, the pandemic has, has changed habits. Mm. But many, many for the good. Like I see, I see great things happening this summer. You know, yeah. our, our open spaces have been explored so much. We've greenways on the way. I see a hotel under construction mm. in Dulik. You know, there's a lot of a lot of things will happen that will be really, really positive. Um, but there are other things where well, you know, as long as we feel safe to do it. Tuesday, sorry, mm. Michael. Twelve o'clock on a Tuesday, mm. Wednesday yeah. night. You know, that's not. We're not pushing back to that. I know, but we. But it's not there. It, it, we we need to be allowed to do it and then feel safe to do it. Apart from whether uh, people uh, wish to do it, uh, I'm going to come back to Colette in a moment. But before I do, let's just remind ourselves of where we were practically two years ago. This is the calm before the storm, before the surge, and when it comes, and it will come, never will so many ask so much of so few. We'll do all that we can to support them. Not all superheroes wear capes. Some wear scrubs and gowns. And all of our healthcare workers need us to do the right thing in the weeks ahead. I'm pinching myself and I know it sounds terribly silly but uh, I mean we've uh, gone through the two years uh, we've had superheroes uh, wear scrubs and all of that sort of thing are you concerned at all Colette uh, that if all of the restrictions are gone tonight or next week or whatever it is that people will be able to come into the pub without Covid certs No I'm not concerned at all I mean you know we had to stop it at some point. We have to learn to live with it at some point. And, you know, that's the reality. We didn't, we've, we've never had the opportunity to, to learn to live with COVID. So, you know, it's long overdue that we should be doing what we're doing. It's just, I think we're all a little bit numb. We're a bit like a dog coming out of the lake and shaking the water of ourselves. We actually don't believe it's happening. And isn't it great that all of a sudden, oh, should the, pa- like Wayne and his wife said this morning, oh, the pandemic's over. It must be over. Oh, obviously it's over because Neff had said it's over and Michal said it's over. It's a bit like you're numb to it, Michael. You're not actually sure it's happening. 
But I'm not cautious about anything because ultimately we all have to take responsibility for our own actions. So if you want to sit beside me when they say all restrictions is lifted, you want to sit beside that's fine, that's your choice. It doesn't mean that I might want to sit beside you. I'm okay. still going to be cautiously optimistic and I'm still going to put things in place for my own uh, staff safety and my own safety. Okay. I'll still have my air filtration system on full, full tilt and I'll still be enforcing me and all the, ma- the, the staff wear masks. If he lifts all the rest of it for the, the, the customers, well, happy days. It's less work for me. You know, track and trace that never worked anyway in the first place and telling people they can't do this. and te- Telling grown people that they can't sit beside someone or telling a grown person to have to wear a mask. You know, we've done it. We're there. Please, God. And I mean this. We're at the other side of it. Let's hope so. We'll uh, hear from the Taoiseach around six o'clock this evening, I think. Thanks to both of you for joining us uh, this morning. Colette Nugent from the Market Bar in Drogheda, Chair of Loud's branch of the VFI, and Wayne Harding, who is uh, the owner of the Village Pub, Village Inn Pub in Slane. Michael at lmfm.ie The Michael Reed Show. Now, the Road Safety Group uh, Park is uh, to ask senior garden management, why is it uh, that so many people who are brought to court for speeding on our roads are convicted for that purpose? Uh, Let's hear a little bit more about uh, this. Uh, We're joined once again by Susan Gray, who's a spokesperson for Park. And a very good morning to you, Susan, and thanks for joining us. Uh, I think... Uh, the average uh, rate of conviction is about 16% of all cases uh, that are, are taken to court, and we don't know why it is so low. Good morning, Michael. Yes, um, we're very concerned. Yet again, on the low conviction rate, we have already covered the mobile phones, driving by using a mobile phone, and you covered it there a few weeks ago. And the conviction rate there was 25%, the national average. And here we are back with you again with the speeding conviction rates. And situations even worse, 16% national average. Mm. And Mayo, 6% in 2018, 8% in 2019, 8% in 2020, which gives an average, national average of um, 7%. Like, where would you be going with this, Michael? Mm. We're going to be asking anyway the necessary questions when we meet with the Garda management and or I say meetings coming up shortly and we have a list as long as your arm of questions that we must ask. The next thing we'll be covering is drink driving conviction rates and let's see what the average is there for the convictions. Okay, I understand from the Irish Times. I understand from the Irish Times this morning, Susan, that fourteen percent of the cases have been struck out. So that's fourteen percent. Sixteen percent result in conviction. So that's thirty percent. So seventy percent of all cases brought to court, people facing charges of speeding uh, on our roads, uh, are not convicted. And there's no way of knowing. Uh, It's not possible to find out. Is that right? I'm glad you've brought that up, Michael. Yes. The court service, uh, the justice minister replied to a question that uh, TD Catherine Murphy raised for us on the mobile phone, driving while using a mobile phone. And we had asked for a breakdown of, say, a total breakdown of why cases were struck out, dismissed, 
why they were not being, why these people were not being convicted. Like, we need to have this information. We had asked how many were struck out because the summonses weren't served. Now, the Minister for Justice told Catherine Murphy that the court service system does not record the reason a case was struck out unless the judge includes the reason mm. in their order. And right. that means that the court service does not hold the complete stats on the reason for um, many cases being struck out. Mm. Now, in the past, I think I've told you this at my last interview, in the past, Deputy Tommy Brown raised these issues for us, feeding mobile phone, drink driving, and he managed to get a breakdown of how many cases were struck out due to the summons not being served. Now, that was 2017, up until 2019. Mm. So why has that system changed? We have to ask, because if we don't know the reasons these are all been struck out of, we don't know where the problems lie. Yeah, well, there's problems, obviously, and as you say, a dreadful rate of conviction in Mayo. County Mead is not far behind. If I remember correctly, County Mead uh, didn't have a, a very high rate, one of the lowest rates of convictions for mobile phone use. Uh, in 2018, it was 9% in Mead, or in 2019, 7%, 8% in 20, and 8% again last year. That's 92% of cases brought to court for speeding that have not resulted in convictions. Uh, County Loud, by the way, 21% last last year. Still terrible, a lot better, but still terrible. What what do you think might be at play here? Do you think that there might be an attitude or um, some feeling on the bench uh, that judges are are looking on these cases differently in different jurisdictions? You see, Michael, we just can't speculate. We have not got the figures to show us, or that data to show us what is happening in the courts. The judges know what's happening in the courts. The court service knows what's happening in the courts. But they're not putting up in the record to give to the likes of Deputy Catherine Murphy when she asked that now we need this information. The public's entitled to this information. And the powers that be should be very, very concerned and should be demanding to know and investigate why these cases are falling. Mobile phones, speeding and drink driving, we hope. That's a better conviction. Rate. But we need to have this information and they should be very, very um, proactive in getting it. Yeah, I don't, I don't imagine you'd expect the conviction rate to be 100% in nope. any of uh, the yeah. three areas. Uh, what, what would be reasonable? 25%? 40%? Have you got any thoughts on that? Well, in the past, yeah, you'd expect maybe 20%, 25%. Right. But when you're talking about only 16%. Mm. Or 8% you know, in County Mead, yeah. Yeah, like that's that's totally unacceptable. That's eighty four percent that are not being convicted. And it has to be 
very, very discouraging okay. for Gardaí. And, and, and that's when Gardaí catch people speeding and bring them to court and it's challenged and uh, they're not convicted. Uh, but not all people speeding are, are caught by Gardaí. A text from somebody who says the residents in Old Johnson have been asking for action by Gardaí and the council for years and serious speeding on a secondary road into the old village. It's a, a 50 kilometre zone but has been totally ignored by drivers. There's little or no speed checks on these roads. This road is being used as a rat run and there have been minor accidents on it. We are being given nothing, only lame excuses, says the caller. I'm sure you've heard that sort of story before as well, Susan. Oh yeah, very often. Um, but until we, until the powers that be do a follow through from the day the guard detects a driver speeding, using the mobile phone, drink driving, and follow that right through to the courts and find out what's failing, why it is failing, then very often uh, the good work of the Gardaí is, it's not working, is it? It's not resulting very often in the conviction. Okay, well, I hope you get the opportunity to get those answers from Senior Gardaí, uh, as you say, in the near future, Susan. We leave it there and thank you indeed uh, for joining us. Thank Thank you you very much indeed. Susan Gray, Chairperson of the Park Road Safety Group. Let me bring you some of the comments uh, that have been coming to us this morning. Uh, Somebody saying, is it going to be up to us to ask a person next to us in a bar or restaurant if they're vaccinated? We literally cocooned for the last two years and now it's okay to suddenly go out anywhere I'm very nervous says our caller I'd say that reflects the thoughts of a lot of people a lot of us I might say Uh, thank you uh, for sharing that with us Dan in County Louth uh, has been calling some people on the programme probably myself and uh, others uh, gone beans Uh, well not quite gone beans uh, but a word that begins with G says Neffet didn't say it's over we have to live with it uh, says Dan in County Louth thanks uh, Dan uh, for that I think uh, what people have been saying is that it seems as though the Covid restrictions might be over on the advice of Neffet, uh, or at least the vast majority of them. Uh, it depends. That's what Neffet is saying, that most of the restrictions are no longer necessary and now it's up to government to make that decision and the announcement is expected this evening. The government may uh, take all of the recommendations on board or not, as the case may be. Uh, we've Councillor P.O. Smith in touch texting the programme saying unfortunately I'm a sceptic when it comes to politicians enacting meaningful changes to protect women 244 women have died violently between 1996 and 2022 and practically nothing has changed 152 women have been killed in their own homes the only way change will happen is if the public pressure and question politicians on what they intend to do and what they have done to date how many names Out of the 244 women who have been killed, do we as a society remember? We remember Ashling Murphy, RIP, because the tragedy is fresh in our minds. So let's not get complacent and forget her name as well. We need to keep constant pressure on our legislators, says Councillor Pierce, P.O. Smith, thank you very much indeed uh, for texting uh, the programme today. Uh, Shane texting the programme today as well and he says, why does it seem like political suicide to discuss building another prison? We need mandatory minimum prison sentences for assault regardless of gender. 
Thanks uh, for that, Shane, as well. Mark and Kel says, Michael, we must not think uh, that the other COVID mutations have gone away. The Delta variant is still in circulation, says Mark. Uh, thanks, uh, Mark. Uh, we're just talking about uh, what uh, Neffet has said, and you know, <laughs> I think you're making a very valid point, uh, but it's hard not to talk about what Neffet uh, is recommending the government this morning uh, because they're the most conservative of all, aren't they? Uh, another listener says, it's simple. The only people that should get the €1,000 bonus should be the nurses and the doctors that manned and ran the COVID wards in hospitals and the funeral directors who handled the funerals of those who died. If other sectors worked during the pandemic, then it's up to their bosses to give them some kind of bonus. Joe in RD says he totally agrees with the doctors and nurses getting a COVID bonus. And he also thinks that the retail staff should get one as well because they were frontline workers as well, dealing with people on a daily basis. Well, thank you very much indeed, Joe, for telling us. And thanks to everybody who has been in touch with us so far today. Michael at lmfm.ie The Michael Reed Show. The state broadcaster RTE made a settlement uh, with revenue last year, 1.2 million euro because of liabilities that RTE had. Uh, the employment records of more than 500 and current uh, former and current RTE contractors are now under investigation by the scope unit of uh, the Department of Social Protection. It's over potential PRSI classification issues. Uh, these were some of uh, the issues uh, that were raised with uh, the Director General of RTE, D Forbes, who was in front of the Dolls Committee on Public Accounts yesterday. Um, the, I guess, Deputy, the, this process is still underway, so the short answer is no. Um, but I think the, the important thing here is that we're now in a process that's a statutory one and um, we need to let the process, I suppose, take its course. But to answer your question quickly, no. Oh, so you have no idea thus far of how much you owe arising from those cases, no? No, that's correct. Okay. Um, can you confirm of the 11 that cases decided in the favour of the workers, how many of those were also covered by the revenue settlement? I don't have that information to hand, Deputy. Okay, is anybody here on the, on, at the meeting would, would have that information to hand? Don't think so. Finance Department. Or- Sorry, Deputy Munster, um, if I can jump in there, Fiona O'Shea. Um, I think the, the challenge here with respect to this information, this is an ongoing investigation and, and it would be um, improper of us to start disclosing information in respect of individuals um, during no, this process and why it's on, yeah. while it's ongoing. Yeah, no, I'm not looking for um, disclosure about individuals. I'm just asking how many of those cases of the 11 decide in favour of workers, and many of those were also covered by the revenue settlement. That's just a figure of how many were covered. Yes, but I suppose those investigations are ongoing. You know, RT will have to take a view in respect of those investigations um, and also consult with revenue in respect of them. So the investigation with scope is a matter that is ongoing and as such it is confidential. That's uh, some of uh, the questions uh, put to RTE uh, by local Sinn Féin TD Imelda Munster who's on the line. Good morning to you. Thanks indeed uh, for joining us. Some of uh, the questions uh, that weren't answered for you by RTE for that matter. That's right. Um, When they were last in with us Mike I had asked um, (coughs) were they aware that a settlement was to be made 
to revenue. I asked that of the Director General. And on both occasions, she answered with, I wasn't aware. And so denied any, you know, knowledge of a settlement having been made to revenue. So my speaking slot was up then. But eventually, and when the chair got back in to speak, he pressed again and she said no. And then he directly asked the finance person. And they then said, admitted then, that yes, there was a settlement. It turned out there was a settlement of 1.2 million paid to revenue. So that is the resistance you're coming up mm. against. Do we, know, do, do, just, we, do we know what the bill was? No, we're not sure what the bill it's, it's like pulling teeth trying right. to get information out of them. But the barefacedness mm. of the Director General just to deny any knowledge whatsoever. Okay, do we know, I, do we, do we know why there was a li- liability? Well, you see, the, the, this whole claim, and they take Humbridge when you accuse them of this bogus self-employment, where they had employed people as contra- self-employed as opposed to employees, and they weren't, and it is bogus, um, bogus employment by any other ma- name. They, were, they weren't entitled to um, maternity leave, sick well, pay, j- j- Just to be clear, that, that, that's a view because it's permissible uh, and um, uh, they're not acting uh, illegally. You, you, you believe that yes, there's questions I mean, to be asked about it, but it is permissible. Uh, and, uh, it's permissible, but because of, their, you know, because of the fact that the contributions weren't paid, etc., hmm. both, both tax and PRSI, etc., have come after them thus far. And who wasn't who wasn't paying their taxes? Was it uh, the individuals or was it RTE? And why, why did RTE have a, a liability if uh, they were paying contractors? Surely the taxes were owed they by the contractors. As, no, they had them as self-employed when they were supposed to be employees of of RTE, and the revenue are the revenue ru- revenue ruled that they were employees. Yes. In other words, yeah. Right. Yes, and taxes okay. were owed, and the Department of Social Protection now, as you said at the start, has extended to more than 500 workers. So that's a much greater scope than the revenue considerations, and those um, newly identified people who are misclassified, for the, you know, for the want mm. of a better word, are going to likely lead to further revenue settlements. And there's some um, very big names, uh, household names, uh, who would be contractors. Yes, yeah. Now, I, we don't know the detail of those particular contracts, you know, and that mm. would be, that would, if you look in the, the list of the top 10 earners, a lot of them are kind of deemed self-employed, if you like, or contracted, you know, contractors. But um, RTE still hasn't committed uh, that workers will receive in full, you know, what PRSI settlements with the Department of Social Protection mm indicate they're entitled to, as I said, like maternity leave, sick pay, mm. pension contributions, all of that. And they hadn't even the good grace. Um, Steve Forbes was saying it was a legacy issue to me yesterday. They hadn't even the good grace to acknowledge that what these workers were deprived of, they mm. should be entitled to. Why, so why, why are they... the impression they're fighting it all the way. Why are they contractors, self-employed, uh, working under a contract... Uh, contracted by RTE uh, when they work every day for RTE right. uh, and their household names uh, and some of the people that we're talking about I, I gather because uh, some of the big names are, are contractors are earning maybe three, four, five times what the Taoiseach earns. Yes, yeah. I was actually looking at the list of top earners yesterday and one um, household name earns 
uh, just 5,000 short of a half a million per annum. Mm. You know, it's it's scandalous when you look at it. And then at the same time, RTE are crying poverty. You know, um, and it's, you know, if when they are crying poverty, you know, the onus on them to be, not to be so flippant with mm. the public purse when they're awarding just, these. Just remind me, how much, how, much, how much does the Taoiseach earn? What, what is that, 130,000, something I, like that? I'm not. I'm not fully sure. So, uh, uh, check that uh, in a moment. But 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 you know, maybe you, more, you, a little bit more. Okay, so let's more. say 140. Sure you pay somebody yeah. 140 thousand to run the country. You pay somebody 500 thousand to talk about it. Yes, and they, they, their argument always was, at the time, about securing top talent. Now I think that just stuck in people's crawl when they'd say that, you know, and their version of top talent, and I don't mean that in a derogatory sense, but there's plenty of people, of presenters right across the state, whether it's on the likes of LMFM or ah, others no. that have, ah, no, no, seriously, but ah, it's no. equal talent when it comes to, yeah. well, would, I'm sure you wouldn't turn your nose up now if you're even offered half that salary, but, um, you know, people actually say top talent, mm. you know, that these people have been sit you for, for years, yeah, like, sure, and Melda, you know, why, you know why I wouldn't get out of bed for half a million? <laughs> well, it's easy, you know, and then yeah. they'll come and cry in poverty, like, but mm. what I think is sickening the most is that they denied totally attempted to deny any knowledge of this debt that they owed revenue. And this could go into, you know, when there's 500 more, mm. it's been extended to 500 more workers. So God knows what they're going to end up paying. And it's not RTE, mm. it's our money. It's public money that they're going to end up paying. And that in itself is utterly scandalous. Mm. Um, do, do, do we, do there's we, another issue too with mm. Irish language workers at Radio Nagel Factor. Mm, mm-hmm. They're paid less 25% less than their English language counterparts. And they couldn't explain that to you yesterday either, could they? and they had promised yeah. previously to give an explanation. Yes, they promised mm. previously, and they had. I had asked them specifically to carry out a, 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 a review of the disparity, you know, that 25% difference. And uh, they had given a commitment that they would and they'd get back to us. But then, despite us repeatedly requesting um, an update, they'd refused. And they're now carrying out an organisation-wide role. And I asked them, did they actually specifically um, reference the, the to have the contrast between those Irish language workers and their English language counterparts in the review? You know, to, and they hadn't. Mm. So they, they literally, the, the answers were so flippant. Okay, just 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 to go back to the settlement with revenue, you know. So, sorry, if I, if I, just just tell me uh, if you know anything more about the settlement with revenue. The the settlement was one point two million. Uh, yes. we, we we don't know what the bill was. Do we know if the bill included fines? Were revenue fining RTE for not paying paying their taxes? No, they had said at the time it was a voluntary settlement. And it's so hard. Revenue had said that we wrote to Revenue to try and get more details when we couldn't extract anything from RTE. Yeah. RTE, that our Revenue had said, and that's a matter for the for RTE. Mm. Because generally, the, generally, if you don't pay taxes and Revenue comes knocking on your door, fines are applied uh, and interest yeah. is uh, applied. Uh, but yeah. this would be to an organisation that is funded by the state, funded by the taxpayer. It's taxpayers' money, yeah. And as I said... Uh, the Department of Social Protection now has gone, their investigation has gone much wider. So we've no idea what the eventual cost will be 
because of this practice within RTE for the okay. taxpayer. It could be, it should, you know, it's looking like it could be massive, a massive bill for the taxpayer because of this. And there's an onus on them to be more upfront and honest. But I mean, if you watched any of the mm. interactions with them, their evasiveness is, is, brazen okay. alright listen I have to leave it there before I go uh, I'm being told uh, in my ears here that Taoiseach uh, is on roughly 186,000 I knew it was more than 130 yeah, but yeah, I wasn't okay. sorry yeah, so, yeah. Sm- small, small change though compared to the half a million that's well, some of to, yeah, yeah and the others aren't <laughs> far behind me they're yeah, like, okay you know, and, the, and they all get expenses uh, including yeah. the RTE celebrities alright public money okay thank you very much indeed Melda Monster Sinn Féin TD for Loud and East Mead member of the Public Accounts Committee. Michael at lmfm.ie The Michael Reed Show. I'm tempted to play Vera Lynn for Mark McGowan, but uh, I'm not sure how it will go down. Uh, Mark McGowan of Scholars Townhouse is uh, the president of uh, the Restaurants Association of Ireland. He's on the line. Good morning, Mark, and thanks for joining us. Uh, we've yet to hear from uh, the Taoiseach, but if uh, the Taoiseach appears around six o'clock this evening and says, go for it, uh, will you be able to serve customers after eight o'clock? And is that what you're hoping for? Absolutely. We welcome the letter that was uh, sent from NETA to our, our leaders in government and we hope that we'll take the right approach and open straight away for any business. So any business that has the ability to open will be able to do so. It's uh, been a, an, an awful long road and uh, we're very thankful obviously for everything that has been given to us so far in terms of what the government has done to make sure that we're, we're here in this place now at this time mm. because um, it's been a very, very tough road, tough two years we're just hoping now that the likes of the EWS will remain because this it's we're still a wounded sector, Michael, you know. We're very know. excited yeah. about reopening and we're very excited about a recovery. And this is a very positive day. I'd say you're in great humour today, are you? Because uh, whether it happens tonight or tomorrow or, or next week, it looks imminent. Absolutely. It looks like it's going to happen this evening. Like, you know, that's, that's my opinion. There's no reason why it shouldn't happen at this stage if we're talking about full capacity crowds next week for the rugby. So uh, really excited. I'm excited for all the hospitality staff nationwide. They've had a very, very difficult uh, two years, as, as the same as the employers have. So it's, it's now there's, there's more stability. They, they've more security in their lives. They know what's happening now. And we can look forward to a really good 2022. And I, I think you're hoping for the supports to continue for another couple of months anyway. Absolutely. Uh, there's a lot of businesses out there that have really, really suffered throughout this pandemic. Um, we are, as I said, a wounded sector and it's going to take time for us to recover. The EWSS is the wage subsidy scheme and that's due to reduce by 42% on the 1st of February. Um, it's a bit too soon for that in my view. I think that um, there's a lot of businesses out there that aren't on it at the moment as well and more will be tapering off. But for the businesses that do need that support, it's a very important mechanism to ensure their survival. What about staff? Uh, if you go back uh, to full opening hours, full capacity, etc., uh, will you be able to staff your restaurant and your pub and uh, the same for your members in restaurants around the country? It'll be, it'll be difficult. It's going to take time for us to get back to the full level of an unrestricted service. Our staff will have to climatise to be able to get used to those errors that they were doing uh, before the pandemic. We've gotten very comfortable. Owners have got comfortable. Staff have got comfortable in the sense that they do get to go home early. And I get to go home and put my kids in at night time. That'll change. So we've, we've a lot of, there will be a lot of change, but we have to remember why we're here. We're hospitality staff. This is what we do. 
this is what we're good at and we're here to serve the public. I hope that the public will uh, come out in droves now and start booking and book like sittings but um, take it easy on the hospitality staff because they do have to come to it. And I, I take it uh, that a lot of people will come out, a lot of people will be delighted at the lifting of uh, the restrictions. Others may be uh, more hesitant and uh, take a while longer to go out and then you'll probably have a third category of people who are going out and have been going out uh, under the restrictions and feel comfortable at that. Uh, would you be concerned about people who maybe have bookings with you this evening uh, who will be going into uh, a restaurant uh, that, or let's say tomorrow evening, that might be different than the one they expected to arrive into because they would have expected maximum of six at the table uh, and the distancing and all of that where, where now it's uh, it seems as though it's all bets off. I, I don't think they have to be worried going into a restaurant environment. I think res- uh, restaurant owners and managers will be very responsible. There's still a couple of rules in place. Contact tracing is still there. So we will be uh, taking people's names and numbers at the door, which, which actually creates a little bit more control for the venue. Mm. So as the customer still arrives in, we can allocate a table. And you, you, you'll do that, will you, even if you don't have to do it? Uh, because it looks as, as though there won't be any need for that from uh, whenever the, uh, um, the lifting of the restrictions uh, comes into force. Well, contact tracing is still is still in effect, and and as far as I'm concerned, or as far as I know, it will still be in effect. So that means that a walk-in scenario can't happen without being greeted by the door by somebody. So it just means that the business does have that little bit more control in terms of seating arrangements. And we have to be aware that there are people out there that may be concerned about the virus still. Some clubs have, could be vulnerable, they might have underlying health conditions, and we have to be aware as a society to make sure that we protect those people as well. So we'll do all we can to make sure we do it the safe way and do it as best we can in our business. And I've no doubt that other hospitality businesses aren't going to be silly about this. They'll do it as best they can as well. Obviously, uh, pubs, have uh, a lot of them have younger crowds going to it as well. You can see that changing slightly. I know Peggy Morris, there's a huge amount of customers there. They're just so excited to be sitting at oh. the, all of the bar counters, unrestricted. They can't the wait to see you, Mark. Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to it as well. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. I thought you were in a, a good humour, all right. Thanks for joining us. I'm looking, I'm looking forward to that. Um, you know that atmosphere when you yeah. come into a pub? Mm. That noise, there's something really spectacular about that sound. Or a full restaurant, you know, customers tapping their mm. feet off the ground with the music and just enjoying themselves. Yeah. Oh, we've, really been, we've been pinching ourselves all morning, scratching our heads and keeping our fingers and our toes crossed. Have a good weekend. Mark McGowan of Scholars Townhouse and Peggy's, Peggy Morris Pub uh, and uh, President of the Restaurants Association of Ireland. That's our programme for this week. God willing, we'll see you for our next programme Monday morning, 9am on LMFM. Good morning, bye-bye. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.